dust off that Bible at home. And good morning, 637, coming up on 638 here on 630 Ched Mornings. That Alan Jackson song has become uh, sort of the song that brings back those memories of 20 years ago as of tomorrow, 9-11, the attacks on the U.S. uh, with the planes that went into the World Trade Center, uh, into a field in Pennsylvania, into the Pentagon. What a stunning day. And so as you hit any kind of a milestone, we do start to wonder, you know, and, and think about again, where were you? when the world stopped turning. Uh, we uh, are going to talk a little later on with Pat Kiernan uh, from New York about some of his experiences. Right now, it's a pleasure to welcome Ken Jenkins. And Ken is a former head of emergency response with American Airlines, aviation consultant, and he's joining us here live on 630 Ched Mornings. Thanks, Ken, so much for taking the time today. You're welcome, Daryl. Good morning. Yeah, do you get the same thing? you just get the memory flooding back sort of on a milestone time? Yes, sir. I mean, that's the short way to say it. The uh, anxiety level is pretty high right now. Um, It's hard to believe it's been 20 years. It really does seem like yesterday when we deployed um, a number of our team members out to respond to that, to those events of the four planes, the two for American and then working with our colleagues at United Airlines. Tell me about that morning, uh, if, if you can, and I don't know if you can encapsulate all of what it was, but uh, uh, w- what was the moment you realized something was going on? The, um, you know, it's, it's really fascinating because you were playing the Alan Jackson song, and, and, and I've heard that song a, a million times, yeah. like I'm sure your listeners have as well, and he says in the very beginning of the song about where were you, were you teaching a class, and, and ironically, we were teaching our volunteer assistance program class on September 11th. It was day one. And there are two facilitators. I was training a new facilitator um, in that program, and um, she was up front talking with all the students, and the phone rang in the conference room where we were that we needed to cancel the class that one of our planes had hit the World Trade Center. And I remember thinking, what do you mean hit the World Trade Center? I mean, did the plane, did the wing clip the building? I mean, didn't the mind didn't comprehend that something flew into it. And I was told, no, the plane was hijacked. It was flown into the building, cancel the class, and get over to the operations control center. We canceled the class, uh, left our students there, um, and then went straight to work. I mean, we got to our operations control center. We pulled out our manuals, got out our checklist, and started doing everything we had been trained to do. I'm trying to, to just visualize walking through the doors of that control center as you're arriving and just what that was like. Oh, it, it, it was, um, I think the best term, Daryl's organized chaos. Every, every, you know, airlines train for emergencies, not, not planes being floated to the World Trade Center. And so we rely on the things that we've been led to do you know, and, and taught to do. Um, but the emotions were still very high. I mean, there were things that were supposed to happen that didn't, like most carriers, air carriers, will have a go-team plane ready to go when there's an accident, for example, or an emergency, within two or three hours of that event occurring. You mobilize the people that you need quickly, and you, and, and you go, and then you bring people on subsequent flights. Well, the air system was shut down that day, and I know Canada certainly knows that because so many of the planes landed at various airports in Canada. We weren't able to get planes out um, within two or three hours. We did deploy four planes that, that afternoon, um, and we sent aircraft to Washington, um, D.C., to New York, which was the plane I was on, Los Angeles, and Boston. So the board points of the flight, the two flights for American, they were both flying to Los Angeles and then the accident city in, in New York where we had command centers. 
Um, so we had those four command centers in the United States plus others um, in Europe and in Asia. It, it almost sounds like uh, you were in shock, but there was no time mm-hmm. to be in shock. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yes, sir. And, and you know, I've, I've thought about that quite a bit because my, my colleagues and, and my friends and family even say, you know, how can you do this job? And, um, and you, you do learn to compartmentalize, but you're so busy at the, in the moment. Um, I would tell you quite honestly, the, when we went to New York, there were about 65 of us on board the aircraft. And we were flying in um, to LaGuardia Airport, and the captain said, if you'll look as we were coming in for approach, said if you look outside the windows on the left and the right side, you'll see fighter jets um, escorting us. And someone a few seats away from me said, well, that, that's comforting to know that they're there to help us, if, um, you know, to keep us safe. And the person next to them said, no, they're there to shoot us down if we go off course. And... At that point, I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it was kind of scary to hear that. And then it's like, you know, you land, and um, we had security meet us and escort us off the plane into vans to get us to our hotel. And then once we started the things that we normally do, we fell back into that routine. But that was such a such a disaster zone as well. I, I'm still even trying mm-hmm. to wrap my head around what you could do at that point. You know, it's the the number one thing that that we have found in research has shown that that family members want the aftermath of an accident, and of course, this was a terrorist event, not an accident. But I think the same thing applies here. Is the number one thing they want is information, and since their family members, you know, loved ones were on the planes, they turned to the airline for the information. What what do you know, and when do you know it? And the purpose of of any air carrier's humanitarian response is to provide that information and and be that liaison between the airline and any agency that has any information. And so that's what we tried to do. Um, It was quite limiting in what we could do because the um, FBI was directing um, the response to some degree into who we could talk to and who we couldn't because everybody on board the aircraft was considered um, a suspect until they could vet all of the passengers and crew members on the plane. Uh, it's just flooding memories back again. And I'm trying to remember how long the whole system was shut down for. Was it a week? Was it a week and a half? It was a long period of time. It, it was a long period of time. Um, but in actuality, and I didn't remember this, and it is funny, I think, what, what the mind will do, because I remember, as you, thinking it took weeks before the system was back up. It was actually back up about three days after 9-11, but in very incremental levels. I mean, it was a very small number of flights. Um, and then it steadily increased each day. Um, but when I say that, it wasn't like it was at 50% of the flights in four days. That wasn't it at all. It was very, very small. And the airlines at that point, because of that, were um, hemorrhaging money. Nobody was flying. Um, I remember that American was training new flight attendants at that point, and they canceled those classes and, and sent those young men and women home from a job that they were so excited to have and, and no longer did. And then our team members were even concerned that they were going to be laid off. But at, at that point, they didn't care about being laid off. They were helping 
family members and they wanted to do their best to do that and yeah. they would worry about consequences of losing their job later. I was also trying to remember what flying was like before 9-11 and again <laughs> it's, it's, it's all fuzzy now at this point. I actually had to Google it and said what was flying like before 9-11. Well it was a lot different than what it is now. What, what an enormous number of changes that came in in a short period of time. Well, and you know, and that's true. It, it, it was kind of like you know the the fun and the heyday before nine eleven, wasn't it? You know, it's like all your your family could go through security and and walk you to the gate and watch you board the plane and watch the plane take off. And and immediately after nine eleven, that stopped. Um, only ticketed passengers could go through. Um, no fly lists were created. Um, and watch lists and things like that. Security certainly changed from airlines having their own security companies um, that they might contract with to provide that security to the Transportation Security Administration. Um, yeah, things have changed quite a bit. Uh, I don't see it easing up at any point either, do you? No, no, not at all. I think based on what happened 20 years ago, what we see today I think is going to be the baseline, and we may even see, um, when we will see enhancements as technology improves and new new technology comes out, but I, we'll see additional screenings um, going forward, too. And some of them may be behind the scenes that you and I don't see, mm-hmm. um, but they're still going to be there. And I'm appreciative of that. We, we don't need to relive a 9-11. Yeah, true enough. Well, and along that line, so you're, you're the former head of emergency response, uh, mm-hmm. but also an aviation consultant. So uh, how can we be sure that this kind of thing doesn't ever happen again? How much is in place to, to, to sort of protect against this ever again? You know, there, there are a lot of things that are in place. Um, and, and, and I'll say again that many of the things that, that are in place, you and I don't see when we travel. What we see when we go and we travel somewhere is we go to the airport and we put our bags on the belt. We go through security. You know, we take our, our shoes off and our belt off and our computers out and our liquids out and things like that, unless you're TSA pre-check. But what's happening behind the scenes is once you make a reservation, that name's already being checked against um, watch lists and no-fly lists. And there are things that happen behind and the scenes in the technology world, checking who you are to see if you're safe long before you get to the airport. And then there are things that happen at the airport from um, observed behaviors and what's appropriate or not appropriate at the gate. Um, there can be another check. And then there's lots of different things. Um, of course, we have canine units now at most airports, uh, lots of things that are happening um, that we may not be aware of. Yeah. Uh, so tomorrow, tomorrow is the, uh, mm-hmm. the milestone anniversary. What are you going to do tomorrow? You know, and I, I, I said this morning to my spouse, I said, you know, what I'm really looking forward to is Sunday. And, and I, I don't know what, what, what I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, I wish I could tell you that. Um, for, for whatever reason, the emotion of, of 20 years of 9-11 has hit me and, and other responders very hard. I mean, each year it's, it's a challenge. Um, but there seems to be a real heavy emphasis this year um, on the media about it and watching that and everything and seeing what happened and what we did just brings me back and I'll do my best to remember all the positive things that happened in terms of, you know, it it was a horrific day, Daryl, but 600 plus agents, um, uh, representatives from American Airlines helped respond as did United Airlines and as did our, our, our colleagues at other airlines to try to support us. And 
I'll take that with me tomorrow to get me through the day. And, and of course, my heart will be with the passengers and crew on board all four of those flights and those that lost their lives in 9-11. Ken Jenkins, thank you so much for your time this morning, uh, sharing your memories and your thoughts on this. Uh, I really appreciate your time. You're more than welcome, sir. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day. And I look forward to Sunday as well for you. Uh, Kevin Ken Jenkins is a former head of emergency response with American Airlines and an aviation consultant. A couple things come to mind for me anyway. I don't know about you. I, I still think of that Mr. Rogers quote, uh, you know, talking to kids when there is a disaster. And then it says, it says, look for the helpers. Look for the, you know, focus on the helpers, those who are trying to do some good in the middle of, of a horrible thing. And, and think about how people are being helped. And then the other thing I think about is that it's a milestone anniversary and, of course, it was not that long after 9-11 that uh, troops went into Afghanistan. Well, now the troops are out of Afghanistan. Maybe that has helped to uh, intensify the thoughts and the memories, uh, knowing where we are today, where we were 20 years ago, and what all has happened over the last two decades. It's quite a day for memories, and it certainly will be come tomorrow. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.